for your attention in advance for our lesson tonight. Um, we're continuing our lesson of Mike Mazzolongo's 10 Steps to... Ten steps to the... Oh, do we start teaching at the first bell? Second bell. Second bell, okay. Stand by. Might be somebody taking their kids to class. <clears throat> oh. Yes, sir. I'm going to do that too. I might try to talk around a cough drop. Um, I don't have COVID according to the three tests that I took, but uh, I got sick two and a half weeks ago and had some kind of virus. Couldn't believe it wasn't COVID. Uh, But I'm mostly better now, but they told me I might be coughing for a long time. Bronchial, something or other. So, we'll see how that goes. <clears throat> All right. Um, again, we're going to continue uh, with seventh, the seventh in the series of lessons of Mike Mazzolongo's Ten Steps to the New Spiritual You. Mike Mazzolongo is a brother at uh, Oklahoma City Church of Christ down in uh, Oklahoma and... Um, Last week we talked about prayer, and uh, we talked about how God wants our precious time, not just our spare time. And uh, uh, I'm going to stick a little try to stick a little closer to the script because uh, they've they've done a fabulous job of putting these lessons together. Uh, these slides are right off of their website. You go to the website for this Ten Steps to a New Spiritual You, which you can go to and look at any time to review the material that we've already gone through and maybe look look ahead of what we're going to be talking about next week. Um, and James went over there and brought these slides up right off of their website, and, and it gives you a slideshow, and, and everything's there. Uh, the very organized uh, uh, lesson material in there for, uh, for anyone to use uh, anywhere to teach this material, and that's just that's pretty amazing. Uh, last week I had forgotten that James had told me before that that this material was available, and I developed my own slides and, and uh, wrote... Uh, kind of wrote a script but this week i'm going to try a little bit to stick closer to this script because last week at the end we only had three minutes to answer the questions um, that are at the end of the thing and it's important to hear from you also so as folks are kind of moseying in and finding their seats we'll go ahead and open with a prayer Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for your church and your word and for this family of believers and the ability that we have in this free country to come together uh, with such such ease. Uh, and we know that there are people throughout the world that uh, it's very difficult for them to come together like this and study your word and it's something that we we don't take for granted 
And Father, we're thankful for being here and for this time we have and, and that you've made your word known to us. And we pray, Father, that you'll guide us with your spirit that we might seek to understand your word and to apply it to our lives in every conceivable way. And we're thankful for your son, Father. Thankful that he was with you in the beginning and that he became flesh and dwelt here among us on this earth and that the that his life was documented for us to study the way he lived and the words that he spoke and to receive his message from you. And Father, may we always seek to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. So bless our study this evening, Father, and also we uh, <clears throat> will mention later also the the folks that are on a prayer list, um, Audra and our sister Liz and Glenn and the losses they've experienced in their family and uh, all those who are suffering and those uh, pray a special prayer for for uh, uh, our sister Kylie as uh, she's expecting to have a baby soon that all will go well there and that you will bless the the doctors and nurses that work with her for a smooth delivery and a smooth process. And, and we pray also, Father, for our uh, our brethren, the Jackson family, Jaylee and Jennifer and their kids, that you uh, are watching over them as they are away from us now. And we're so thankful for the time that, uh, the short time that, that we had them here and for the the work that they did and the example that they set here among us, uh, which will have a, a long-lasting impact. And uh, we pray tonight that uh, you'll be with us as we study. Uh, bless our study that we might remember these things and uh, seek to search your word to prove that the things that are said here tonight are true. And Father, when we speak, may we always seek to do so in accordance with your word as of the oracles of God. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so, uh, discipline, and uh, so I, I, I'll get back to the, the script, like I said, but so, you know, I was in the military for a long time, and in the military, we understand discipline, uh, and if you look up any word in the dictionary, you're going to find several definitions. Um, and, and as I was reading Mike Mazzalongo's material for this lesson, it was kind of a different perspective than I have on discipline. <clears throat> so in the military, the perspective is that discipline is kind of like a path, which meshes well with Christianity, right? Because there's a narrow path and a narrow gate, and then there's a broad path and a, uh, that leads to destruction. Uh, but discipline is like, is like a path, and you want to walk and stay on that narrow path that is discipline uh, and not get off of it. Uh, so it worked that way in the military too. In the military, occasionally one of your one of your troops would get off of the path of discipline, right? And then there were uh, uh, all kinds of tools at your disposal to help them get back on the path and headed in the direction where they were supposed to be going, right? And uh, man, 
the Bible is full of all kind of things to help us stay on that path as Christians, right? Uh, including the classes that we attend together, right? Uh, and you read Ephesians chapter 4 there where it talks about he gave some to be uh, apostles and some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds, uh, calls pastors there, but that's talking about elders. And it, it gave them for the purpose of edifying and building up the church for unity, right? And uh, we look at that passage in Ephesians 4 and we say, okay, this is talking about the responsibility of those listed. It's talking about the responsibility of apostles, the responsibility of pastor and of evangelist and so forth and so on. But we, we neglect the perspective looking the other way, where it's talking about the responsibility of the church that, that he gave those to, to, to edify, to build up. And that's what we're doing here with these classes. So that's our responsibility. So um, it talks about the, the responsibility of, of the, the Christian also there. Uh, because how would all those people listed, you know, the, the pastors and the and evangelists and the apostles and so forth. And of course, we don't have apostles anymore. I understand that, but I'm just, that's in the passage uh, written back then. <clears throat> uh, so how can they do that? Edify and build up the church for the purpose of unity uh, if there's no one there to do that with or to do that for, right? So discipline's like a path, but there are a couple different uh, different types of discipline. Um, so, whenever one of our young troops would get off of that path they were supposed to stay on, that narrow path, we would use the tools at our disposal to hopefully gently, sometimes not so much because that was the military, right? Help them get back on that path. And to, to like, there are scriptures in here about walking circumspect, right? That means kind of get in line and, and don't try to be uh, what these young folks call, uh, they have a word for it. Say so he is. Uh, it'll come to me, but they they folks are going way out of their way to be something different and unique and and uh, not the norm, right? Bible tells us to walk circumspect, right? Um, we should smell like Christ, and we should all be living like Christ. So if you if you observe us, you should kind of see the same thing in all of us. So that's one type of discipline: the discipline, the tools at our disposal to help someone get back on that path. But I think we can agree that the best type of discipline is self-discipline. And self-discipline is something that comes with time and with experience and age and wisdom, which you pray for and God blesses you with, you know. Um, and so as you amass wisdom, as you walk that path and get off of it occasionally, and your brothers and sisters will help you get back on it, right? As you go along and as you hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him, then self-discipline uh, becomes more abundant to you. And then you discipline yourself, and you just stay on that path, and then that, that makes you more useful in helping others stay on the path of discipline. And why am I talking about discipline? Because our lesson is humility, because that's what, that's what the book is about. Uh, the ten steps that we take for the new spiritual or you are all about discipline. Uh, from the word gymnasio, or gymnasio, uh, from the Greek in here, uh, where it's talking about conditioning yourself uh, like like an athlete, uh, like a, like an Olympian. And, and you think about how committed they are to doing that. And we want to have uh, a similar commitment with, with our, uh, our drive to develop that self-discipline in the Lord uh, by His Word. And that's how it comes to us. It all goes back to the Word every time. Okay? <clears throat> so, 
that was that was kind of brief, right? All right. So uh, we're studying the various spiritual disciplines that help us become more godly. Um, and the cover of the book it says a small group study for mature Christians. I want to remind us about that each time for the folks that are in the class that might not have been here last week or the folks online. Um, uh, so as we as we cover these brief lessons. Uh, like with prayer last week, uh, if you didn't know that this was a small group study for mature Christians, you might, you might be thinking, man, they left out a lot of foundational basic stuff. Well, you know, it's for mature Christians. So we're kind of at a level above that, uh, above that, getting into some meat. So just keep that in mind. And if you need to, go back and study more of the basics on your own time, right? Um, so the definition of discipline, uh, something that no one likes but all admire. And that's talking about one form of discipline. You can't say that about self-discipline, that it's something no one likes but all admire. But, you know, think about uh, when, when you're out in public somewhere or you go to a party and you take your kids and they're very well-behaved and everybody compliments you. say, oh, your children are so well-disciplined. They're so well-behaved. It's kind of like that, right? Uh, but what is done, and this is another definition he gives of discipline, what is done in obscurity for the sake of of excellence and this is the athlete who trains for for five years uh for you know uh maybe a two-minute uh run in the olympics trained five years six years or longer for an event that is going to last two minutes right all right olympic 100 meter runners practice and discipline themselves for four years for an event that lasts 10 seconds on the spiritual level, you can't achieve godliness without developing discipline. Uh, as Paul says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And in First uh, Timothy 4, 7, Paul tells us to do that. Discipline or condition yourself for the purpose of godliness. Uh, how many times have you heard that, uh, and I'm going to mess this up, uh, life is... Uh, 15% of what happens to you and 85% of how you react to it. You ever heard that? I seen it, it was on posters back in the 90s, right? Uh, so, uh, think about that. Life is 80, wait, wait I, I knew I'd mess it up. What, how was it, Pat? Yeah, okay. Life is 15% of what happens to you and 85% of how you react to it. Thank you. Godliness, however, is not like music or sport because there is no public performance in mind. We pursue spiritual disciplines for only one reason, to achieve godliness. We condition ourselves for that discipline to achieve godliness. In this session, we'll examine the seventh spiritual discipline in our study, humility. And now most people see humility as a virtue a quality or character rather than a discipline. What is the difference? A virtue is something you possess, whereas discipline is something you practice. You practice humility. You do not possess it. <clears throat> As you practice it, it becomes part of your character. Practicing it embeds it in your character. And, uh, you know, we, we all know that it's, uh, it's better for us to judge a man by the content of his character than the color of his skin, right? 
It becomes part of your character. It's embedded in your character, and possession uh, leads to pride. That's why that we said it, uh, a virtue is something uh, that you possess. Possession of it leads to pride, whereas a discipline is something you merely practice. The greatest danger is thinking that you possess or can use humility because when you do this, it becomes pride. And uh, so think about what I just said. The greatest danger is thinking you possess or can use humility because when you do this, it becomes pride. It's pride in the making. Uh, right when it comes out of your mouth. I'm speaking from experience, right? I've done this. Um, and so, let's talk about some common attitudes regarding humility. Uh, first of all, it is not popular or admired in our culture. Uh, we want to be first or famous, and humility, true humility, gets in the way of this, being first or famous. Think about some of the songs that, you, that you've heard. Okay, now stop. I don't want you to think about them very much. Just get the connection that I'm making, right? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, man, I've heard some songs, me, 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 uh, you know, uh, and uh, about uh, the, the fame and the fortune achieved and the possessions that they have and uh, uh, the relationships, uh, appropriate and otherwise. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, you just think about that. Uh, it's a culture of the world versus uh, spiritual culture. You read about this in Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8, right? Uh, living in the Spirit, living in accordance with the Spirit. And uh, it's important for us to understand, and especially to teach our young folks, about the world and what that means and how it stands in op- opposition to godly and spiritual things. All right. So we appreciate uh, humility in others, but rarely want it for ourselves. We like humble people around us because, for the most part, they do not threaten our position. That might be a little harsh. I don't. I don't know if we actually feel that way. As I, you know, as I was reading this earlier, I was like, I don't know, you know. But it's something to think about, right? I mean, uh, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter thirteen, there in the first few verses, it tells us to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith, and we do that by examining ourselves uh, by God's word. We would rather work on humility after we get to the top. For example. We see that even Jesus' disciples were like this as they debated who among their number was the greatest in Mark chapter 9 and verse 33 and 30 through 35. Humility is more about what we seek than who we become. <clears throat> um, there is, uh, the world can't understand this type of logic because God's logic is foolishness to the world, right? But we understand that there is value in being brought low. Have you ever been brought low? Right? And then while it's happening, while you're on the way down there, you know, there might be a lot of resistance and and, uh, frustration and pain and agony. But, uh, you know, when, when you get down there and you realize there's no, there's no more, there's no room to go down any farther... Uh, you begin to find humility. And then you're thankful for that experience. Right? You think the world can understand that? You think the songwriters that are writing the, the pop culture hits 
can understand, wrap their minds around that. It's difficult for us to wrap our minds around it. We've been studying these things for a while, right? <clears throat> Think about Paul's thorn in his flesh that uh, we've talked about several times recently in the classes in Second Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, last week we talked about a purpose, not 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 all of the purposes, but one of the purposes of suffering, and uh, uh, that was in Second Corinthians chapter one, verse three and four, where it tells us that first of all, there it calls God the God of compassion and all mercy, and it says that we suffer, and God comforts us, and then when someone else suffers, we can share that comfort that we received from God with those who are suffering. Right? Yeah. And, uh, man, when, when I hear that somebody in the church is suffering, the first thing I think about, naturally, is the time that I suffered. And then when you do that, you can't help but think about how the church wrapped you up. Right? And comforted you. And then, you know... It's kind of like uh, slamming your thumb in a car door, right? You slam that thumb in a car door, and you grab it with this hand first. Then you lean back, and then you pull it in tight and kind of... I've got kind of a flap here. I can wrap over it and then wrap it up and then put it down between my knees, right? And then stick it in my mouth. Oh! Right? And so that's how the body works, the body of the church, right? When one part of it gets injured... The whole rest of the body comes to the rescue to aid and comfort that thumb, right? Okay, so humility is not the result of low self-esteem. People who do not like themselves are not automatically humble, right? And you can see how the world might have that perception. Uh, some of the folks in the world and that in that uh, worldly uh, culture and, and uh, the absence of spiritual knowledge... Uh, will see somebody who's humble and just assume that that person has low self-esteem, you know? Not necessarily. People who do not like themselves are not automatically humble. On the contrary, people who practice the discipline of humility, remember, it's not something you possess, but something you practice, are usually secure and aware of their talents and gifts. An honest assessment of your true value helps one to practice. <clears throat> now let's look at that. Uh, an honest assessment of your true value helps one to practice the disciplines necessary to cultivate true humility. All right, we've got a slide for that coming up later. So uh, we can measure our success in the practice of humility. Um, now we're talking about behavior. We're getting into the realm of behavior. I kind of enjoy that, right? Because I'm constantly examining my own behavior. And when I take a break from, break from that, my wife examines it for me, right? <laughs> I had to throw that in because she was afraid I would embarrass her tonight. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that we're the only creature in God's creation given the ability by him to examine our own behavior and to change it, right? We become a fly on the wall. So so I'm in a situation, and remember, uh, 
15% what happens to you, 85% of how you react to it. So I get in a situation, maybe I didn't expect, caught me off guard, so I behave inappropriately. Have an inappropriate reaction for a person who's uh, exercise uh, or, or pursuing discipline, right, um, for godliness. And so I, I behave and react inappropriately, and of course, I'm going to realize that, you know, afterwards. Um, and so I can go home, sit down, close my eyes, or I can leave them open, right? And I become the fly on the wall, and I'm going to replay that event over and over and examine my behavior. And by doing so, the next time you find yourself in a similar situation, you can react differently, right? I got a dog, and my grandkids have been programmed to believe he is the best dog in the world, right? But, you know... He just reacts the same way every time. Um, and you can train a different reaction, but it's different than the way we come across that by examining ourselves to see if we're still in the faith. Constant examination that we're encouraged to do there in 1 Corinthians where it talks about the Lord's, uh, the Lord's Supper. Use that as an example to correct the church's behavior of not loving one another and treating another, one another with the kindness, consideration, and compassion that we ought to. Um, and so that's another thing to be thankful for. Uh, the next time you're praying continuously, uh, give thanks for the ability to examine your own reactions and to change them in similar situations later on. The things that we do practice, the, the things that we do to practice humility can be seen and measured. Behavior is observable and measurable. Is it not? When, however, we stop practicing and simply consider ourselves humble, we easily fall into pride and the errors that a proud person makes. <clears throat> so behavior is measurable and observable and measurable. Um, so um, uh, we'll have an opportunity to give some examples of this later. But let's talk about the battle for a humble heart, right? So in Mark chapter 10... Beginning with verse 43, he said, But it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So this is more of God's wisdom that is foolishness to the world. Right? And and we can see that so easily with with uh, much of Jesus' teaching that came from the God, uh, that came from his Father. Um, for example, love your enemy. What? You know? Uh, how do you make sense of that? Well, uh, you pick up a copy of the Bible and you start reading it, and then you start uh, associating yourself with uh, spiritual people, with the saved uh, and then you begin to walk on that path of discipline, and those folks will help you stay on that path, um, and then you begin to amass humility. Disciples practice humility as a natural part of Christian living. We practice humility. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 and 4, he says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves, right? 
you can observe behaviors out in public. If you're in a grocery store, for example, and uh, there are 18 people that need to check out and get their groceries on Friday afternoon after work, everybody's exhausted and must have these things, but just wants to get home. And so there's 18 people that all arrive at this check stands at the same time, and there's only two cashiers. And then observe the behaviors, right? And uh, and look for this stuff. Do nothing from selfish selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also the interests of others. Considering others more important than yourself. <clears throat> There's a way of doing and I Yeah, I know I read that twice. That was deliberate, right? Repetition increases retention by 80%. Making up my own statistics. Consider others more important than yourself. So what Christian, Christian humility looks like in the church... Uh, remove selfish, selfish motivation, become less conceited. And I don't think the author intended for that to be harsh because that's just kind of a harsh word, isn't it? Conceited. You're conceited. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't think he meant it that way, but we know what that means. Uh, and we don't want to be self-centered. Uh, if we find ourselves in a social, social situation where we get to interact with other folks, uh, our Christian brothers and sisters, or, or those that are, are not members of the family, um, might not want to just talk about yourself the whole time, you know. Uh, and I give that as an example because I've been corrected for that before. Uh, not recently, uh, you know, but uh, it's something that, that I work on. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of an awkward conversationalist anyway, and I get in a social situation and I, I talk about what I know. Uh, and then I'll remember, well, you got to stop. Let that person talk. Ask them some questions about themselves. Find out what's going on. And then remember the things they tell you. Uh, something embarrassing about me that you may not know is um, I have a problem recognizing people sometimes. And uh, I walked up to a lady out here in the foyer one time and introduced myself and uh you know and said hello i'm danny elmore and she hit me and she said danny i've known you for 20 years (laughs) i said i know i'm just kidding with you so then i i came back with a little white lie there didn't i right because i did not remember her uh but then i went home and looked at the directory and made some connections to her family i was like oh yeah i know who that is man what does that tell you you know so it sometimes I'll I'll uh, we we got a lot of we're blessed with these new families that are coming in and uh, on more than one occasion I have introduced myself to them more than once, not remembering that I had just done so you know last week. They're like, yeah, we met you last week. <laughs> yeah, that's why I dye my beard gray so they just think it's an age issue. All right, uh, so. Here are some tips. Now, let me back up a second. Does this do that? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, here's a question. Um, talking about the Christian humility that we just discussed and what it looks like in the church, removing selfish motivation. Um, so, not just my wants and needs, but being considerate of others, uh, becoming less conceited, actively thinking of others, right? 
others being more important than yourself, putting their needs before your own. Consider others more important than yourself um, and serving others. Our focus is on serving others, not just ourselves. So here's the question. Why can I do this and what is my motivation? What is my motivation for engaging in these uh, behaviors in the pursuit of humility? And I will sing to you while he walks over to... Okay, we're there. Um, Well, I humbly submit we forgot God. The reason we submit is because of God. And if we don't learn how to submit to God, we will never learn how to submit to each other. And so the motivation is submission to God blesses the world. And that's the motivation. And that should be our desire. Amen. Anyone else? Court? I think we're all on the same journey, and and that's to be Christ-like. And all these things that are up on the board are what he is the master teacher of. And we, as children, should be wanting to emulate all these things because of who he is. All right. Thank you, Court. Okay. Um, so the book gives some answers too from Brother Mazzalongo Uh, why can I do this what is my motivation and he said uh, Jesus where's that at hang on okay yeah back up so I don't distract you with the next slide Uh, Jesus person uh, he was perfect he achieved perfection and when, when you read uh, Swindoll's book that this one was based upon, he talks about how we're not actually in the pursuit of perfection because that'd be kind of a vain pursuit. We're in pursuit of being more Christ-like and more like God. And we talk about that in the introduction of this book also. So pursue that. But in order to be more godly and more Christ-like, the only revelation of, of what that looks like is God's word, and then of course we're blessed with uh, other avenues of of, uh, of seeing that in others, right? And First uh, Corinthians eleven one, Paul said, "Be imitators of me, as I am also of Christ," right? Uh, and then we're also told there to mark them who walk, even as you have us for an example. So you know you consider statements like those two, Paul saying, uh, "Be followers of me, as I am also of Christ." And mark those humans, people, Christians, mark those who walk even as you have us for an example. And you look at that and you say, where's the humility in that? Well, I can assure you that that came straight out of the Word of God and it is said with tremendous humility, right? There's no contradiction there. Jesus' life, His service... His example of doing that and then commanding us to follow suit and to do so also for one another. His sacrifice was complete. It was total. Uh, You can't conceive of a sacrifice that goes beyond what he gave and how he gave it. 
in addition to what he suffered in the torture that led up to being hung on that cruel cross. Uh, and they say, well, other people have suffered similar deaths, you know, throughout the, the, the time of, of uh, the existence of humanity. There have been other people that suffered even more than him. But how many of those people carried the burden of the sins of the world on their back through that process and to that cross? And the answer is zero. Right? So you gotta, you got to throw that in there and consider that too. His sacrifice was complete. Don't ever let anybody tell you that others suffered the same or worse than Christ and their death because it's not possible. Jesus' motivation, his love for me. Uh, I think I read that scripture uh, last week or maybe the week before. Uh, John 14 and 21, right? I'll read that to you again so I don't have it here. Oh, that's going to take me a while to put that back together. I broke the remote. So, yeah. So I'll look up that verse. John 14 and 21. Jesus said, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So who does Jesus love? He who loves me, um, he who has my commandments and keeps them. That's who Jesus loves. That's who God loves. Tells us right here. Right? So, you know, my Bible makes it difficult for me to understand the concepts of unconditional love. Uh, because in the Bible, there are a lot of things that say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John fourteen fifteen, right? So, you know, there are expectations. So, uh, everyday practice tips. Um, here we go. So, we got some tips here. Um, here are three things to do in order to practice the discipline of humility. First of all, sit on the desire to promote yourself. God gives to each our talents. He can also create opportunities for us to use them. So trust God to promote you when the time is right. Rely on Him when your calling comes. Okay? Um, and remember last year we talked about through prayer we cast every care on Him. Stand up for others. God loves justice, does He not? Stand up for others. Look for opportunities to serve those who seem less deserving, who seem less deserving. Not necessarily to us. They may seem less deserving, perhaps because of something that they've done, but they're not. They're no less deserving than any of us. Right? Uh... I heard uh, I had to get out of the car and go into a meeting, but I heard part of a radio show where they were talking to a, a judge on a mental health court last week. And uh, man, what a special program! What an amazing thing! And I'll talk to you more about that later, Pam. So, um, it is easy to dismiss the poor, those who are weak, but God has called on us to serve these very ones. Standing up to meet the needs of others truly develops a humble character in ourselves. Um, yeah. A lot of you don't know that... Uh, no, never mind. 
You'll go on not knowing that. And then, finally, bow low before God. Give God all your worries. Offer Him all your thanks for blessings. Rely on Him completely for every part of your life. I started to talk about a thing, and I decided not to because I'll start crying. And uh, I, can't, I don't have time for that right now. Okay, So I'll tell you about it later. You know, maybe when it's more appropriate for me to cry a little bit. So, uh, this practice of lowering yourself will train your spirit in the discipline of humanity, humility. This practice of lowering yourself will train your spirit in the discipline of humility. I'm not sure if I like the way the author worded that. Lowering yourself. But anyway, think about it. I'm sure he had good intentions. I don't want to be, uh, what you call it, uh, 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 like negative. Yeah. The discipline of... Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Comment about <clears throat> the whole humility thing that we, we really have to begin with understanding who we are as against God. You know, when we measure ourselves against Jesus, because he's the example that he gave us. And I think one of the things, because I, I remember like 30 years ago, one of my best friends bought me a book um, by Jean Guyon about intimacy with Christ. And she marked a page, 113, I remember it clearly. And the name of the little writing was Abandon Yourself. Mm. And so when I read through it, she was basically saying, Pam, you know what, you're like a superstar and you, you take up all the room and, you know, you know, don't give yourself so much credit. Don't be be careful about applause and all the you know you know you do it girl all the stuff that people do because really it just builds your flesh up and so it's hard to find humility unless you understand that apart from God that we're nothing or the gifts and talents that we have came from him and so I always used to struggle with that because I would meet people that was really false humility because it's really an inside job. It's like, how am I feeling? Do am I just say, oh, please, you know, don't mention it. Is that really humility? It's really how we feel and what our motivation is. Mm. And so the reckon and everything about man is promotes us, right? All mm. the holidays, you know, it's you know, it's, it's <clears throat> Father's Day, it's Brother's Day, it's you know, it's Fisherman's Day. It's every you know, every chance we get, we are celebrated. And so the world just keeps, and we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. And so the place to get to humility is not really an easy place in the world that we are in today, and it requires an inside job where you recognize that if if God really revealed to me my true fallen condition Mm. apart from my salvation through Jesus Christ, I would be horrified. I wouldn't think of myself as superstar anymore if I really understood the true nature and fallen condition of man then I would be more motivated to give God all the credit that he deserves. Mm -hmm. But we spend so much time giving ourselves credit. That's why it's hard to get to the place of humility. That's right. I agree. I need some me time. Uh, The pursuit of godliness, uh, disciplining ourselves for godliness, for the sake of godliness, is counterculture. You know? I think I'm saying that right. It's counterculture. It's against culture popular culture right um yeah uh in in everything uh music literature uh attitudes i mean commercials everything that influences us everything that comes out of hollywood you know 
All right, the practice of lowering yourself. Lowering yourself will train your spirit in the discipline of humility. The discipline of humility is always an act of faith and always difficult. However, God rewards a humble heart. And uh, now we see what we can do with the questions here. <clears throat> so this is the first question. Describe the type of pride or its display that you dislike the most. And and we got to be careful with this one because, you know, I'll I pick on my wife. She's tough, right? You know, uh, I'm in a room full of people here. I can honestly say that I'm looking around to make sure I'm not going to tell a little, another little white lie. But, uh, yeah, none of you do anything to irritate me, right? Uh, maybe you don't even know how, really. But you wouldn't be interested in irritating me anyway. But she and I, we've been married for a long time. And uh, uh, it feels like a few minutes, guys, but, you know, it's been a few years. And uh, uh, we know how to push each other's buttons. Sometimes we do that just for fun. We're Irish, you know. And so uh, she knows how to irritate me. She knows, she knows what to do. And some of the things that she just does just irritate me, you know. Um, so in answering this question, describe the type of pride or its display that you dislike the most. I'm not going to use this as an opportunity to sling an arrow at anyone in this room kind of thing. But I've seen people do that. So, <laughs> so uh, what do you got? Describe the type of pride or its display that you dislike the most. Yes, sir. When someone is a legend in their own mind and mm. they don't hesitate to tell you how great they are, nothing would have happened if it wasn't for them. You mm. would think they were back there at the beginning and <clears throat> they just take Christ Jesus out and put them there and I made it happen. And unfortunately, there are people like that still. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, James. Maury? Oh, over here. In the, uh, in the days of my boxing years, uh, I, uh, I excelled in pride. And the pride I disliked was when they had more pride than me. Because mm. then it hurt more. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta crank it up a little bit, right? <laughs> kind of pride that people display that shows that they they hate God and they blame God or or they deny God and you you just feel it in your heart when you hear that when someone um, I don't know just when someone says something that or that the way that they act or the or the uh, the thing that they're promoting is is uh, disgusting to God, mm. and and it's very prideful, yes. and uh, and it just makes you think of how it must feel to Him, having done what He's done. Yeah. Thank you. Some scriptures come to mind. Uh, Lean not on your own understanding, Proverbs three and five. There is a way which seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of destruction. Proverbs fourteen twelve. And as a man thinks, so is he. Proverbs 23 and 7. Okay, let's move on to the next question here. Uh, what do you believe is the greatest obstacle in your efforts to develop, uh, in your efforts, 
So now we're looking at ourselves, right? Looking in that mirror. What was the greatest obstacle in your efforts to develop a humble heart? And I'll answer that first. Man, I got a memory problem, you know? Like in James where it talks about that guy that looks in the mirror and then walks away and forgets, you know? Um, uh, Sometimes I I just find myself in a situation and uh, thinking a certain way, and then I'll catch myself and say, what are you doing, right? You belong to God, right? So get back on that path. Uh, use that self-discipline. Straighten yourself out and stop thinking about being aggravated with somebody, you know, whether it's a stranger that cut you off in traffic or someone close to you that has done something to, to hurt your feelings, Right? It's amazing that we have the capability to change how we think and feel, right? And uh, that's a spiritual thing. The world doesn't get it. Okay, so describe a time or a situation when you were able to... Wait, yeah. What do you believe is the greatest obstacle in your effort to develop, in your effort to develop a humble heart? What's the greatest obstacle? Javier? Oh, testing. Here we go. I think for me, the hardest thing is, you know, when God gives you talents to do things and you're able to work hard and then, you know, do your hard work, which God obviously gives you the talents for, you accomplish something that's nice. It's, you know, you end up forgetting sometimes that, you know, God gave you a talent and, and uh, not think so much of yourself. So that's probably, the, to me, the one of the hardest things. Okay. All right. Okay, uh, so I, uh, I'm going to start off next week by asking the, the next three questions. So that's how we'll begin class next week, and then I'll follow the script next week, and we'll, we'll be done on time. So thank you for your attention, and uh, the lesson is yours.